You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Happy Wednesday, football fans, and welcome in to another edition of the Chase Podcast. I'm Isaac Signs, and I thank you for joining me. In today's episode, I will preview Thursday night's clash between the Chargers and Chiefs. I will also recap some of Week 14's games and break down the current NFL playoff picture. The Chargers trail Kansas City by one game in the division and will be looking to draw even with their division rival in Week 15. This time around, they will face the Chiefs without Kareem Hunt, but head coach Anthony Lynn says they still have plenty of other weapons to game plan for. Kareem Hunt, I mean, he's, he's leading Russia in national football league last year. He's a good football player, but they have other good football players, and they've never depended on one guy. You know, they, they have a plethora of weapons, so uh, we still have plenty to prepare for. The Chiefs clinched a playoff berth in Week 14 and now have their focus set on securing a first-round bye. With the Chargers coming to town on Thursday, Chiefs President Mark Donovan expressed the importance of the matchup and what it means to their fan base. Um, the fact that it's later in the year and this game is what it is, and the records of the two teams, um, you know, I said at the beginning, this is sort of the show, right? Well, it's even more the show um, because of the two teams and their records. I will discuss all that and more coming up in the latest episode of the Chase Podcast. It is Wednesday, December 12th on the Chase Podcast. Isaac signs with you here for some more NFL content on the Chase Podcast. Thank you again for joining me today and I'm looking forward to getting into Thursday night's divisional clash between the Los Angeles Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs. That is a big game with big time implications as far as how things are going to shape out in the AFC West. It's crazy to think that one of those two teams will end up being a wild card team. So whichever team has to host them in the first round is certainly not going to be happy considering the talent that both of those sides possess. But before I get into Thursday night's game preview, I do want to take a look at the updated NFL playoff picture as we get set for week number 15 of the NFL regular season. Things are heating up in both conferences. It's going to make it an interesting and entertaining final three weeks of the season. So I want to take a look at the AFC first and then I'll work through the division leaders as well as the teams that are in the hunt and I'll go ahead and move over to the NFC to close out this segment. So in the AFC, 
The Kansas City Chiefs have opened up a two-game lead as the number one seed. First in the AFC West, clinched a playoff berth following Sunday's 27-24 overtime victory over the Baltimore Ravens in what was an epic game there at Arrowhead Stadium. Patrick Mahomes found a way to get the job done. Lamar Jackson put together a nice effort as well as that Baltimore defense that ranks number one in the NFL. But it was not enough to stop Mahomes, the gunslinger, from making some incredible throws on the run outside of the pocket to keep Kansas City alive with a pulse and end up Pulling out that game in what was a big-time victory for postseason play and their status as far as which seed and home field advantage through Kansas City with that tough environment. So now Kansas City, they're hosting the Chargers on Thursday Night Football, which I'll get into here in just a couple of minutes 10 and 3 the Chargers so that's going to be a big one and then they'll go on the road to play the Seattle Seahawks who are a hot team right now they won their fourth straight game on Monday night and then they close out the season against the 3 and 10 Oakland Raiders at home which could be a game at this point where they rest their starters But then again, I think Thursday night's matchup is going to be pivotal because if Kansas City can win that game, they'll obviously take a two-game lead over the Chargers in the AFC West. So they may be in position to where that last game is meaningless, but we'll see where that goes. But clearly, Andy Reid has that unit playing exceptionally well on offense. I know they lost Kareem Hunt. But Damian Williams and Spencer Ware, they're stepping up their level of play. And Tyree Kill, of course, we all know the firepower that they possess. Now, the defensive side of the ball is another area of concern. It's one of those things that, as a Chiefs fan, you you worry about them being able to stop those high-powered offenses in the playoffs. Because what happens when they're going to have to see Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, even a young quarterback in Deshaun Watson who can... Go off for 330 yards on a given day. So that is an issue I think that Bob Sutton is still trying to work through. They have a lot of new faces and I understand we're already in week 15. So you're probably thinking, well, is that really an excuse? They should have already gelled by now. But as long as this offense is humming along, I like Kansas City's chances to go deep on a playoff run. Now, number two in the AFC is the New England Patriots who fell victim to the Miami Miracle on Sunday. There's a couple of kryptonites out there for New England, and playing in Miami is certainly one of those. The Patriots were in prime position to win the game, obviously, but that last-second miracle play that was lateraled multiple times and ended up in the hands of Kenyon Drake, the speedster from Alabama, who, by the way, was underutilized by the Crimson Tide, and he's been serving as that 1B to Frank Gore there in Adam Gase's offense. He was off to the races. Rob Gronkowski, last man to get him, stumbled upon his feet. They win the game in what was an incredible finish. So the Patriots right now with four losses, which is kind of uncharted territory at this point. We're so used to seeing New England dominating the AFC Conference, sitting atop as the number one seed. That is not the case this year. A new sheriff is in town. His name is Mr. Mahomes and this Chiefs team. So now looking at what New England has out in front of them, they got an ultra important matchup with the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday. They're playing at Heinz Field. This is a Steelers team that is reeling. They've lost consecutive games. They look all out of sorts. Roethlisberger's dealing with a rib injury. They're 7-5-1. And, and mind you, Baltimore is right on their heels, just a half game back of first place. So you know Pittsburgh, they're entering Week 15's game with a high level of urgency, knowing that if they lose that game, their playoff chances could ultimately fade right before their very own eyes. The Patriots, of course, we know the type of team they are in December. So that's going to be a big-time matchup for two AFC teams that are looking and vying for playoff positioning. So that is not a gimme. I know Pittsburgh is not playing well right now, and the Patriots are coming off just really a disappointing loss. There's really no way to 
to put that one losing in that fashion. So I would not be surprised if Pittsburgh takes that game. They're playing at home now. They're playing in Foxborough in New England with that atmosphere. Then I may feel more comfortable picking the Patriots to win that game. But that one I think is 50-50. And then they'll close out the season with two easy matchups at home against two division opponents that are below 500, the Bills and the Jets. Both rookie quarterbacks. I think if the Patriots can get by Pittsburgh on Sunday, they'll be well on their way to securing that number two seed in the AFC and finishing out the season with a 12-4 record. And I think 11-5 at worst. So we'll see how that plays out. Number three, the Texans, 9-4, first in the AFC South. They saw their nine-game winning streak end at home against the Colts, a team that they had defeated earlier in the season in an overtime thriller. But with that result, Houston blew a big opportunity to put the division away from the Colts and Titans and catch New England too for maybe a first round bye. But now looking at Houston, they got to go play in New York against the Jets on Saturday who are 4-9. Sam Darnold returned. They got to win over the Buffalo Bills. And that for me can be looked at as maybe a trap game. I mean, the Jets, this is a defense that I know they've looked all out of sorts. And clearly, this is the primary reason why Todd Bowles is on his way out there in the Big Apple. But this Jets team is a sneaky team and playing them in December on the road with a lot of talent. You look at Jamal Adams, Leonard Williams. I know Darren Lee was suspended for the final four games of the season due to a PED violation, so he's no longer on the field. But Tremaine Johnson... Morris Claiborne, Buster Screen. These guys have talent to limit opposing offenses. And then you look at uh, their offense. Darnold, this guy's been up and down. Of course, he missed many games with that foot sprain. But he's back. He's healthy. Elijah McGuire had a big game-winning touchdown. Robbie Anderson on the outside. I think whether Houston wins this one or not, it's going to be a tight game. So Houston cannot overlook the Jets. And they go on the road to play the Philadelphia Eagles, who are at 6-7. and seven fighting for their playoff lives after losing on a Sunday to the Dallas Cowboys. At this point, it looks like Philly is just looking to get in with a wild card spot in the NFC as they trail Dallas by two games for the NFC East division crown. And then Houston will close out their season at home against the 4-9 and nine Jacksonville Jaguars, who at this point, it looks like they're not even playing out there. No motivation, no energy. Doug Marone could be on his way out. Cody Kessler's a starter there. Banged up offensive line. So Houston will probably end the season with a win, barring any unforeseen outcome. Now down we go to the fourth seed in the AFC, the Pittsburgh Steelers, 7-5-1, first in the AFC North. Again, while they're still atop that division, they've lost three straight games and lost an embarrassing contest to the 3-10 Oakland Raiders with four of their five losses coming against AFC West teams. This Steelers squad... Mike Tomlin looked like he had righted the ship, had this team playing to a new level on both sides of the ball. Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, and now I understand James Conner did not play against Oakland because of that ankle injury, so Jalen Samuels and Steven Ridley were called upon. However, when you're on the road against Oakland, you got to come away with the victory. At this point in December, this is crunch time, and for a team to go out there and play with so much sluggishness, especially on defense, this was a unit that, yes, they stumbled out of the gates, but it looked like they were finally turning the corner. That pass rush they've been generating with Bud Dupree, TJ Watt, Stephon Tuitt, Cam Hayward. Now, I know the secondary has been a lingering issue on defense for Pittsburgh, but there's really no excuse. I know Big Ben went down with that rib injury and missed a large portion of the second half with Joshua Dobbs replacing him, but they must answer the bell in week 15 when the New England Patriots invade Heinz Field. This is going to be their AFC championship in a sense. If they can win 
They'll gain an immense amount of momentum back if they drop that game and go to 7-6-1 and and potentially lose that first seed to the Ravens if Baltimore comes away with the win. And Pittsburgh, they'll just continue their free fall in the conference standings. The fifth seed, and here's where it gets really puzzling because you have the Los Angeles Chargers who are a 10-win team currently, 10-3. They're holding on to the number five wildcard spot. And they have a three-game lead after beating the Bengals on Sunday. Of course, they understand the big chance they have to catch the Chiefs on Thursday night with a victory. But they have lost the last nine games to Kansas City. So that just seems like it's really a difficult challenge regardless of whether Alex Smith was under center or now Patrick Mahomes. Melvin Gordon, Eckler, their status is in doubt. I'll talk about that when I preview the game. I always like to remind people that I picked them to win the AFC West. I had them winning 12 games this year. I just really see the talent they have on both sides of the ball. Phillip Rivers is playing probably the best football of his entire career. And then you got that defense, a lot of young rising superstars. Of course, Joey Bosa, who's now fully healthy, Melvin Ingram, and Derwin James who's a candidate for the Defensive Rookie of the Year. This guy is a playmaker all over the field. Casey Hayward locking down one side of the field, Trevor Davis. And this is a team that we have to remember that they lost Denzel Perryman, their top linebacker, earlier this season. So injuries are always a part of the formula, really, for all NFL teams. But it just seems like the Chargers can never escape that injury bug each and every season. But they are a team led by Anthony Lynn that you would not want to host in the playoffs. This team can travel very well because of what they're able to do on offense and on defense. The Ravens are currently the sixth seed, seven and six, holding on to that final wildcard spot in the AFC. Now, they lost to Kansas City in a tight heartbreaker there. While the Titans, Colts, and Dolphins all won to match their record at seven and six. So, it wasn't really a good weekend for Baltimore considering all the other teams that are in the hunt as they lost their full game lead for the final wildcard spot. But if there is good news for the Ravens is that they still hold the tiebreaker with their good conference play. So now here's what's remaining there for John Harbaugh's unit. They play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week 15, 5 and 8, then they go on the road to play the Los Angeles Chargers, who are 10-3. and And then they close out the season at home against the Browns, 5-7-1. Now, all three games, while two of the three opponents left on their schedule are below 500, they are not guaranteed victories. The Buccaneers are playing a lot better now with Jameis Winston under center. Their defense under Todd Munkin. Once they fired Mike Smith, it looks like they found a little bit of a groove. And they're starting to limit some offenses moving forward. So that's not a gimme. Then, of course, the Chargers could have everything to play for if they are able to catch Kansas City. I'd imagine they're going to want to finish off the season strong. And the Browns, who's a sleeper team, Baker Mayfield, Freddie Kitchens, what they've been able to accomplish offensively, a young, hungry team that you know is going to want to play the spoiler if by that time they're already mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. So now let's take a look at who's knocking on the door, who is in the hunt in the AFC at the 7th seed, the Miami Dolphins 7-6 and six, had that big miraculous win against the Patriots. They'll face the 6-6-1 six, six Minnesota Vikings on the road in week number 15, the Vikings are reeling, coming off two losses. Offensively, they have not done anything, really have not mustered any offensive efficiency. Kirk Cousins is starting to flail a little bit. Vikings fans are upset. John DeFilippo, their offensive coordinator, was just fired moments ago. But it's not going to be an easy game playing in Minnesota. That defense always say time and time again, who, by the way, Shut down Russell Wilson on Monday Night Football. And Ryan Tannehill, while he had three touchdowns and looked pretty good in the pocket, I wouldn't really trust him going up against that Minnesota defense. So that will be a huge game for Miami because if they can somehow find a way to win that game, then they'll close out the season with two AFC opponents who are 4-9 and nine in the Jaguars. They'll host them at home, and then they'll close out the season 
at Buffalo 4-9. Now, playing in Buffalo at this time of the year is never an easy thing, especially when the Bills own the number one defense in the NFL. So the Dolphins clearly have a lot of work to do, but with that win, they've kept their playoff hopes alive, and they should at least be encouraged of where they're at. And now, here's where it gets interesting. The 8-9 and nine seed, the Colts currently at 8 with a 7-6 and six record. They got the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday who have won their last five games. And then they close out the year with the Giants hosting them at home. And then at Tennessee at 7-6. and six. And that's a segue to the 9 seed who Tennessee currently holds 7-6 and six record as well. They play the Giants in New York this coming Sunday. The Giants, they're kind of a team that has turned the corner a little bit. Eli Manning's playing better. Now Odell Beckham, his status is up in the air. Then they play the Redskins at home, which at this point looks like a pretty good win considering the injuries. Washington has been playing with. Josh Johnson will be the starter. And then they close out with Indianapolis. And now that week... 17 game between Tennessee and Indianapolis that will be held in Nashville could decide which of these teams gets into the playoffs so it'll be interesting to see how these two teams finish out the year as they play some NFC East teams coming up now the 10 and 11 spots belong to the Broncos and the Browns these two teams are considered long shots to make the playoffs but they're still alive. Denver will be playing the Browns on Saturday, who are 5-7-1. Then they go at Oakland and finish off the season at home against the Chargers, who they already beat on the road earlier this year. And then the Browns at the 11th seed. They got the Broncos. So clearly, the loser of Saturday's matchup will more than likely be done and out of the playoff race while the winner will keep their pulse going for at least another week. And then Cleveland after the Broncos will host the Bengals and then finish off in Baltimore against the Ravens. So both of those teams outside looking in. However, you cannot discount the type of talent they have on both sides of the ball. So they could very well play themselves into a spot. Now, let's go ahead and take a look at the NFC now after running through the AFC playoff seeds. So now sitting as the one seed in the NFC is the New Orleans Saints, 11-2. They already clinched the NFC South with their victory over the Buccaneers on Sunday. What was a come-from-behind affair? This was a Saints unit that once again came out playing very sloppy, were not able to get anything going in the first half against Tampa Bay, but then they figured things out as the game went on. Drew Brees started catching some fire. Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara, they woke up. So this team, they're in prime position, and they're happy campers because with that Rams loss on Sunday night, they have regained that number one seed, and they're going to look to hang on to that and have the NFC run through New Orleans, which we all know is a very hostile place to play. You look at all the statistics with teams just being unable to go in and play in that environment, especially in the playoffs. So here's what's left for Sean Payton's team. They got the Carolina Panthers on Monday Night Football, who the Saints really have owned the last couple of seasons. Now, the Panthers are in an interesting spot because they've lost the last four games. However, they're still very much alive in the playoffs thanks to the Vikings' loss on Monday night. So they have that challenge. And then they play the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are 7-5-1. They'll host them at the Dome at this point. you got to like the Saints' chances to win that one. And then they finish out the year home to Carolina. So they play them twice in the final three weeks of the season. Now the second seed, the Los Angeles Rams, who are 11-2. They already clinched the NFC West last weekend. They've taken care of that division. But with that loss of the Bears... They're now second seed behind New Orleans, who they already lost to earlier this season in a high-scoring shootout. They are, however, well-positioned to win out and keep the pressure on New Orleans because they got the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday Night Football. The Eagles, we all know the situation they're facing. Their secondary is injury-depleted. They're playing with second, third, four-string corners. So you know the Rams are going to be hungry, looking to rebound from that ugly loss. They'll be back in California Warmer temperatures. I look for them to take care of business rather easily. And then they finish out the year with two, three, and ten teams. They go on the road to Arizona, play the Cardinals, and then they finish off the 2018 campaign 
with the San Francisco 49ers who are 3-10 and and by that point you know they're probably not going to be motivated to win as they battle for draft positioning right so the Rams are in great shape they're not going to drop further than that two seed and you know what they could catch the Saints to uh, regain that number one seed just because New Orleans has a little bit tougher of a schedule the Panthers twice and then Pittsburgh Steelers now the three seed the Chicago Bears nine and four first in the NFC North they've really opened up a large gap in that division. The Vikings lost again. Packers are 5-7-1. and one, So they've all but sewn up that area. Now they're just going to look to keep that number three seed as the Dallas Cowboys are just a game back of them. And here's what Chicago has. They got the Green Bay Packers at home. So they have a chance to avenge that week one collapse loss where really... You look at that game and Chicago had that one in the bag and they're 10 and 3 right now as opposed to 9 and 4 and really in contention for a first round bye. Of course that did not happen. Hindsight is 2020. Now they get to play Aaron Rodgers in a Green Bay defense that's playing without a lot of starters. So I look for Chicago to be able to handle that matchup. And then they finish out the year with at San Francisco, 3-10. and And then at Minnesota, 6-6-1. Six, six and one. And you know Chicago could be playing spoilers there at Minnesota because the Vikings could still be fighting for that last playoff spot at the end of the year. So the Bears right now, they're in good position barring any type of significant injuries. This defense, you know, I think you can feel confident about them traveling Anywhere they go and putting on a strong performance, of course, the one contradicting point that everybody is pointing to is saying, well, Vic Vangio's defense gave up 30-plus to the Giants and Eli Manning on the road. And you know what? That was an impressive showing by the Giants. The Bears were beat that day, but there's no denying the talent they have. Impact playmakers and impact defenses win championships. And for that reason, I think the Bears, you cannot discount the type of team they have and their ability to make some noise in the playoffs. And what makes them even scarier is that they're well ahead of schedule with a young squad already leading the division and will almost certainly be in the playoffs. So watch out for Matt Nagy's team. He's got them playing well, and I'm assuming they'll finish off the season strong and then the fourth seed how about the Dallas Cowboys eight and five first in the NFC East they secured a massive victory over the Eagles on Sunday that all but wrapped up the NFC East for them they've opened up a two-game lead over both the Redskins and the Eagles now all they need to do is win one of their final three games and they clinch the division or have Philadelphia or Washington lose one of the final three games and they are in the playoffs hosting a wild card playoff game. So what a turnaround for a Dallas team that was three and five coming out of their bye week. They had just lost on Monday night to the Tennessee Titans. People were calling for Jason Garrett's job, Dak Prescott, Troy Aikman, a franchise icon, hops on the radio and says Dallas needs to completely tear everything down and rebuild and you know, the media, as they feed on the Dallas Cowboys, were calling them out, saying that this is a team that's never going to get over mediocrity. And all of a sudden, looking at the schedule, right, and everybody said there's no way they're going to go beat the Philadelphia Eagles on the road. There's no way they're going to beat the Atlanta Falcons on the road. There's no way they're going to beat the New Orleans Saints at home on a Thursday night. But the Cowboys, they proved all the doubters wrong. They've stayed the course They've played good football down the stretch. And here's the thing about Dallas is that they really haven't even peaked yet. They haven't even reached their highest level of potential on offense. And they're still on a five-game win streak with wins over some formidable opponents. They got the Colts on Sunday, which is another big test because this Colts team, they are scary. We saw what they're capable of doing again last Sunday. They went into Houston, snapped their nine-game win streak. Andrew Luck is playing incredible right now under Frank Reich, T.Y. Hilton, Eric Ebron, and a young defense led by rookie outside linebacker Darius Leonard so this team especially when they're playing at home there's a lot of excitement around Indianapolis right now just knowing that hey they have a shot at getting into the playoffs when 
Nobody really thought they would reach the four or five win mark this year. So a lot of buzz. That will be a challenging game for the Dallas Cowboys. And then they'll close out the season home to Tampa Bay, who's five and eight. And then on the road to the Giants, five and eight, closing out the year. So the Cowboys have everything in front of them and really could position themselves to be in the driver's seat, close out that division once and for all on Sunday, and then worry about the playoffs as that comes in the very near future. Sitting at the five seed is the Seattle Seahawks, who all but solidified themselves as a playoff team after their dominant 21-7 victory over the Minnesota Vikings. They shut down Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, and once again, one of the more impressive teams in the NFC. They're on a four-game win streak. They've knocked off some big-time opponents, and it's also worth mentioning that Two of the Seahawks' five losses were against the Los Angeles Rams in tightly contested ball games. And then you go back to week number one, where they had that one-point loss to the Denver Broncos at mile high, which could have very easily been a victory. So you look at this Seahawks team as really as a 10-win squad based on how talented they are and how close they played some very difficult teams on the road. Pete Carroll has this unit playing very well. They're playing with that chip on their shoulder because I think they remember all the people that were riding them off before the season even began talking about the end of an era. Richard Sherman gone, Cam Chancellor gone, Cliff Averill gone, Michael Bennett gone, and you know what? They've silenced their critics. Their run game leads the NFL, as I just mentioned earlier in today's segment. So the Seattle Seahawks, after that win, they've opened up a two-game cushion there for that number five seed and look like they're on a collision course to face the Dallas Cowboys in the first round of the playoffs. And their schedule is relatively easy other than Kansas City there in week number 16. They got the Niners coming up on Sunday in San Francisco, and then they'll close out the season against the Arizona Cardinals at home three and 10. So I like the Seahawks chances to finish out the year two and one, finish with a 10 and six record, which should get them that number five seed. I don't think anybody else will catch them. Really, the interesting point is the sixth seed. Who's going to rise to the occasion and snatch that spot? The Vikings currently holding on to that six, six and one with the wild card. They've lost consecutive games. Now they're only half a game ahead of the field for that final spot. Minnesota, who just fired John DiFilippo. They face a Miami Dolphins team who's coming off with some momentum at home, 7-6, and six, who you know they're coming in trying to win a game, trying to make sure that they can keep their hopes alive to get into the postseason there in the AFC. And then they go on the road to the Detroit Lions and finish out the year at home to the Chicago Bears. So two division games to close out the year. This stretch is pivotal for Mike Zimmer and the Minnesota Vikings. They have all the talent in the world. Now the question is, is can they play up to that level where many people penciled the Vikings in as Super Bowl favorites? Now all of a sudden, it looks like the sky is falling there in Minneapolis. So this stretch is going to be huge to see what kind of team goes out to finish out the season. Now who's in the hunt here in the NFC Seven seed, the Washington Redskins, six and seven. They got the Jaguars, Titans, and Eagles to close out the year. Washington, I think at this point, I understand that they're still alive in the playoff hunt, but with all the injuries they've dealt with, and now with Mark Sanchez and Josh Johnson in at quarterback, I don't even know if I can consider them really a legitimate contender. Then they got the eighth seed Panthers, who they're still very much in the hunt. They got the Saints twice. Out of their final three games, they'll host them on Monday night, then host the Falcons, who are 4-9, and and then they'll go to New Orleans in Week 17. So this Panthers team, out of all these teams who are knocking on the door, I like Carolina's chances to catch the Vikings for that sixth seed in the NFC, despite their ongoing losing streak. And then the ninth seed, the Philadelphia Eagles, who are also 6-7, and they have a gauntlet the next two weeks. They got to go to Los Angeles. Play the 11-2 Rams, so you know they want to come back and put on a show for their home fans. And then they have to host the Houston Texans, who's one of the top teams in the AFC. And then they close out the year at Washington. So the Philadelphia Eagles... 
does not look good for them. They lost another player, Corey Clement. So I have a hard time believing that they could win one of these upcoming two games on their schedule. And then the Green Bay Packers, right? Aaron Rodgers, who you got to keep them in there, right? They're 5-7-1. and one. They got at the Bears, then at the Jets, and then close out the season with the Detroit Lions. Now, I got to say, if the Packers can somehow find a way to beat the Bears on Sunday, they may have a shot at sneaking into the playoffs if the Vikings continue to falter as well as the teams ahead of them in the playoffs. So while Green Bay, they fired Mike McCarthy, a lot of things are in flux there. Joe Philbin is now the interim head coach. Do not rule out these Green Bay Packers. And I know that's a scary thought for a lot of teams knowing that Aaron Rodgers could be playing beyond the regular season. But I'm just saying, they're not out of it yet. Now I'm going to go ahead and move on to the Thursday night football preview. The Los Angeles Chargers at the Kansas City Chiefs. As stated before, big time matchup. If the Chargers can find a way to win there in Kansas City, they would tie the Chiefs for first in the AFC West. But if not, Kansas City will open up a two-game lead over their arch rival and set themselves up to clinch the number one seed and home field advantage throughout the playoffs. The Chiefs have won nine straight over the Chargers, including the 38-28 outcome in the season opener and 20 of the last 21 against AFC West opponents. So this Kansas City team, they know how to get the job done when they're playing their rivals. So the Chargers are at odds coming into Arrowhead especially with the news that Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, their top two running backs, are not expected to play. And this is according to NFL media insider Steve Weich. The head coach of the Chargers, Anthony Lynn, told them on Tuesday morning that they are not optimistic that either player can play on Thursday, which is a huge development for Kansas City's defense for one. But for this Chargers offense, you know, they went into Pittsburgh and won without Melvin Gordon, but they still had Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson there who were able to get the job done for them. However, without neither of those top backs, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to put a lot on Phillip Rivers' plate to win this game in what should be a high-scoring affair. You take a look at Melvin Gordon and how valuable he's been to the Chargers offense. He has 802 rush yards on 153 carries with a career high 5.2 yards per carry, nine touchdowns, and this goes along with 44 receptions for 453 yards and four scores. So Melvin Gordon, who continues to work his way back from an MCL sprain, he's missed the last two games. He looks like he's going to miss a third. So Gordon not being active for the Chargers is going to be a big time factor for the outcome of this matchup here in primetime. Then Eckler, he's dealing with the stinger. He aggravated it on Sunday against the Bengals. So now all of a sudden, the Chargers are going to have to rely on a couple of rookies to help propel the Chargers to a win in Justin Jackson and Detrez Newsom. So that is something to consider. But the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes has been red hot. He leads the NFL in touchdown passes with 43 and yards, 4,300. Some of the plays he made against Baltimore's top-ranked defense were just incredible to watch. Must-see TV. This guy continues to light up the scoreboard each and every week. And so I want to go ahead and preview a couple of these key matchups and dissect what each of them mean as to which NFL squad can come away with another win on Thursday night. And the first one being Kansas City's pass offense against the Chargers secondary. Kansas City, the interplay with the league's third-ranked pass offense. They're averaging 319 yards per game. Mahomes just put together a 377-yard performance against Baltimore, and he's prevailed every time he's faced a top-10 passing defense this season. You look at their schedule. He went for 313 yards against the Jaguars, and this, of course, was when Jacksonville had the number-one-ranked defense. He went for 304 at Denver, mile high, and that's when they had their 
full squad healthy, Chris Harris and all those guys. And we all know how difficult it is to pass for high yardage, especially when you're playing in that altitude. And then 377 against Baltimore. So it looks like anytime there's a top defense on the Chiefs schedule, a lot of people, including myself, will question Mahomes to see, well, let's see what he can do against these guys. Well, let's see what he can do with these type of looks. Well, he's seen it all, but what makes this guy so resilient and talented is his ability to make a mistake, and then he makes the adjustment the very next drive, and next thing you know, he's throwing a 40-yard touchdown pass on your secondary, so this guy is dangerous, but the Chargers secondary, they've been pretty stingy. They're the sixth ranked pass defense in the NFL. They're limiting teams to 225 yards per contest, and so these are some one-on-one battles that will be fun to watch. Travis Kelsey against Jaleel Adai and Derwin James. Now, Kelsey, I thought he was going to be limited or at least held in check against Baltimore, but this guy still manages to produce. He had seven receptions for 77 yards and, of course, one touchdown as he is Mahomes' top target in the red zone. But when I look at this safety tandem for Los Angeles, Adai and Derwin James have been very formidable against the pass. And one thing with Derwin James is because of his size and athleticism, he can be matched up with some athletic tight ends. And you've seen Gus Bradley move him around the defense very often, put him at slot, put him lined up against tight ends, put him out wide. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Derwin James get the challenge of shutting down Travis Kelsey on Thursday night. So look for those two, maybe to square off head-to-head in a matchup that should be very entertaining to watch. Both big-time athletes going at it, especially as Kansas City moves closer into the 10-5 yard line. Now, how about Tyree Kill? Now, this is a guy that's been dealing with a foot injury. Head coach Andy Reid told reporters earlier this week that while Hill is considered day-to-day, He doesn't think the ailment will keep him out of Thursday night's contest. So he'll, I'm expecting him to play. I think a lot of people are as well. So if he's on the field, look for Casey Hayward, the Chargers' number one corner. Maybe to see him some. Hayward is a longer corner who uses his leverage at the line of scrimmage. But you know, longer corners really haven't had success against Tyreek Hill this season. Perfect example of that is Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye, who could not keep up with Hill when those two teams face off against each other. You almost need to have a double team, a safety over the top at all times against Tyreek Hill. Now, will he be a little bit banged up and not at 100%? I think it's possible to where he may not have that same bounce and energy. But a Tyreek Hill that's at 85% health, I think is still Pretty darn fast and still a big time threat for opposing defenses. And then how about this one? This is a new one. Kelvin Benjamin, who's expected to make his team debut on Thursday. He signed that one-year deal with Kansas City last week. And this is because Sammy Watkins is expected to be out until the playoffs with a lingering foot injury. So in comes Benjamin, who's a possession wideout. He's not what Sammy Watkins brings to the table as far as being an electric wideout out in space that can be a home run hitter. But he's still a Pro Bowl caliber wideout that posted a thousand yard receiving season not too long ago. And I know this guy gets heavily scrutinized because, you know, they say he's playing overweight and doesn't have the motivation to show up to practice. And I know that's been something on his track record and resume. But boy, I'm telling you, when you're in a winning culture on a winning team with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes and a head coach like Andy Reid, I think there's a lot to be motivated about. And so Kelvin Benjamin's in a good spot. And I think with an offense that has so many versatile weapons, Benjamin is probably going to see Michael Davis some, maybe Desmond King. Keep an eye out for this guy because now all of a sudden, when Kansas City is moving into that red zone, not only is Mahomes going to have Kelsey, who's I think the best tight end in the NFL this season, He's going to have Kelvin Benjamin, another six foot five wide out that he can throw up a 50-50 ball and feel confident in his ability to come down with that. And let's not forget that Kansas City still has Demarcus Robinson and Chris Conley, who are two wideouts that are really built the same way as Sammy Watkins, 6'2", 6'3", with foot speed that can take a slant over the middle and turn it up for a 20-yard gain. So Kansas City still has... 
firepower in that regard. And Desmond King, speaking of him, the second-year talented corner for the Chargers, I think you could argue that he's been their best cornerback this season. Along with Casey Hayward, King leads the team in interception. So that guy is a very skilled ball hawk. So you always have to watch out for his ability to make a game-changing interception. The second matchup here is the Chargers' offensive tackles against the Kansas City pass rush. Now, while the Chiefs, they rank 30th in total defense. I've talked about them, this unit being a weak spot. Justin Houston and D. Ford, both of their outside linebackers, They've been bright spots for their unit. Both edge rushers, they've combined for 16 and a half sacks this season. Houston and Ford have both missed some action this year due to various injuries. And D. Ford really has a majority of that 16 and a half number as he has 11 himself. So it's been a little bit of a slower season for Justin Houston. But boy, these edge rushers can spoil a game for their opponents. You saw that against Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. Houston had that big strip sack on him there, and they almost won the game with that field goal before overtime even began. Of course, Butker missed it, and they went to overtime, but those guys, along with Chris Jones, who's had a sack in nine consecutive games, these guys can get after the passer, and you look at a guy like Phillip Rivers, who's a pocket passer, and he likes to stand up and go through his reads, and if Kansas City can disrupt his rhythm, can get in his face, it can really throw him off track and put the Chargers in a very difficult position to keep up with Patrick Mahomes and their offense. So this is a matchup where Russell Okung, the left tackle for the Chargers, and Sam Tevy, who's there at right tackle, they must keep a clean pocket for Rivers if they want him to give his receivers opportunities to gash Kansas City's underwhelming secondary because especially without Gordon Eckler on the field, you better believe that the pass-to-run ratio is going to favor the passing side significantly. So I'm fully expecting Rivers to throw the ball at least 40 times on Thursday just to keep pace with Kansas City. Now, here are a couple more matchups for you. This one is a headliner for the Chargers on offense, and this goes with Keenan Allen against Kendall Fuller. Good on good, the best receiver versus the best corner of Kansas City. When these two teams met in Los Angeles to begin the season, Allen got the better end of this matchup as he hauled in eight receptions for 108 yards and one touchdown. This guy is finally healthy, and he's showing that he's one of the best receivers in the NFL hands down. He doesn't look like he's the flashiest doing it, He's not the most dynamic wide out there, but yet this guy knows how to hang some yards on defenders. 88 receptions, 1,074 yards, 6 touchdowns on the season, and he's been instrumental in the Chargers' ninth-ranked passing attack this year. And with Mike Williams likely resorting to boom-or-bust performances, which seems to be the case, Allen will continue to be the clear focus for Bob Sutton's secondary. So don't be surprised, though, to counter that move Ken Wisenhunt, he likes to move Allen around in the slot to create mismatches against defenses. So Allen could be in the slot a lot of times trying to avoid Kendall Fuller, which could give him some matchups against Steven Nelson and Orlando Skandrick. So that is something that the Chargers, I'm sure, will take any time they can get it. And then also we have to consider this. If Eric Berry returns, which according to reports and Andy Reid, there's a chance that he makes his season debut after missing the entire year with a heel injury, what kind of game will he put together? Is he going to be a little bit slow and coming along and getting back on track? Or is he going to step right in and be an impact player and make Phillip Rivers stray away from passing over the middle of the field? So if this guy does return on Thursday, he could change the complexion of Kansas City's defense in a hurry, which would be huge because now all of a sudden, the Chargers offense and Phillip Rivers, they have a safety they have to worry about, which could impact Rivers' decisions to throw the ball over the middle and take deep shots against Kansas City. Now the last one here, the Chiefs offensive tackles against the Chargers pass rush. While Mahomes, yes, he's been stellar at making plays both in and outside of the pocket, the Chiefs still need to keep him upright with two of the league's best edge rushers coming to town and Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. 
They're finally back in sync. Bosa's back to full health after missing the first 10 weeks of the season due to that foot bruise that he was nursing. But both players, their play speaks for itself. They're explosive. They have that firepower to disrupt opposing offenses. So Kansas City's offensive tackles, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, they're going to have their hands full trying to keep Bosa and Ingram out of the backfield. And if you're the Chargers, you really need a big performance from both of these guys along with the secondary because you're going to have to limit Patrick Mahomes to under 24 points if you want a chance. And again, I always like to bring it up, but it's the truth. No Gordon. So that means that their time of possession plan, if the Chargers had that, where they were hoping to come in and really just attack Kansas City on the ground, that may be out the door now. So all of a sudden, you're going to need to really lock in and keep Kansas City from scoring an immense amount of points, which has been Almost impossible for the best defenses out there. Almost hung 30 on Baltimore last week. So there you have it. I mean, those are some matchups that you want to keep an eye out if you're an NFL fan, you're a Chargers fan, you're a Chiefs fan. And so now when I come to making my prediction, to be honest, I was really leaning toward choosing the Chargers to win and snap that nine-game losing streak to the Chiefs. But in the end, my gut says the Chiefs now, they're at home, they're at Arrowhead, prime time. This is a team that they've been challenged, they've been put through the gauntlet with different looks, different defenses, aggressive blitz packages, and through it all, Patrick Mahomes, who in my eyes will be the MVP this season, he shined brightest in the game's biggest moments. And I think Spencer Ware and Damian Williams, I think they're going to continue to fill in admirably there for Kareem Hunt. They fit the system very well. They're familiar with Andy Reid. I look for this Chiefs pass rush duo of Houston and D4 to get after the quarterback. I think they do enough to limit Phillip Rivers in this Chargers offense moving forward. Look for a heavy amount of double teams on Keenan Allen. But Justin Jackson, who by the way, he's been very good when he's had opportunities. So I'm not going to say that the Chargers are, are not going to have run game at all. I think they're going to be able to have some success, but also look for a lot of screen passes passes there to get those backs going especially in such a big game in the rookie season but when the dust settles there in Kansas City I think the Chiefs win a thriller 34 to 30 buckle up ladies and gentlemen I think we're in for a treat these two teams they understand the implications of this one moving forward we all do as NFL fans I think we're gonna see two gunslingers Rivers and Mahomes go toe-to-toe -to -toe, making some big time throws down the field but I think Kansas City, I give them that slight advantage. They get the job done on Thursday. So there you have it. My game preview for you. Thank you so much for taking the time to join the Chase Podcast and listening to my NFL content. I will be back here on Friday to break down Sunday's slate of games. And also might add Saturdays as well as we'll have two games of NFL football on Saturday afternoon. Looking forward to getting into it more. Until then, have a blessed afternoon and take care. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.